Episode 4, License to Talk Mark, a Buffalo icon in the airwaves, a pioneer for us. We wouldn't be here without him. Greg Sterlace and his wife Paula, welcome to License to Talk, guys. How are you? Well, I was wondering if this would be worth my while, but now that you're <laughs> complimenting the hell out of me and saying I'm an icon, I guess it was really well worth coming to South Buffalo for this. Oh, yeah. It I wasn't good. from us. I mean, it, the, the it was the people that we knew. They came around. And yeah, it wasn't said, you that think I'm an icon. <laughs> you guys don't think I'm an icon. <laughs> Other people said I'm a visionary and an icon. Yeah. You were like, who is he? This visionary and icon. We knew you. We knew you from before. We, we got you in here now. You actually have a movie coming out. Well, it came out. We showed it at North Park Theater. Ron's in it, and actually, Ron, you got a lot of compliments for your acting. I was surprised. Ron, Ronnie freaking Lyston has joined us also for this episode. Um, I was watching the Beast um, <laughs> yesterday, and the question is: when a famous actor just does a small part in a movie, has the same name as a as a piece of jewelry. And the answer was cameo. And, of course, the beats got it right. And I make a cameo in the movie. The, the movie's wow, called... Just such a jewel you are. <laughs> the movie's called Catcher in the Rye with Diamonds. Yes. It, it, it's, it's going well. I've heard, heard nothing but good things. Jeff Simon's give, given a good review of it. Um, yeah, he said it was brilliant. Brilliant. So yeah. we... And he's a, he's a professional film critic. <laughs> <laughs> so he knows what he's talking about. Yeah, he does. So, Greg Sterlace graduated City Honors 1983. Yeah, I just told you that a few minutes ago. <laughs> Greg Sterlace, this is your life. Yeah. yeah, this is my life. This is my wife next to me, and this is my life. Yeah. So, many bands. We, we Continental Days, you've been in the Joy Buzzers, Chemical Number no. 5, the Handguns, Bad Ronald, Chokeweed. The Joy Buzzers... Uh, has a, a famous connection that were, was in the band with you, uh, Johnny Resnick. Well, Resnick, yeah, that was, went on for a year or so, but he was, at the end, also George Tatusco played drums for us the last part. So, and at one point, George, we were playing at the Continental, John, George, and I, and George got upset by a fight in the crowd, and we were in the middle of the gig, and he left the stage because he was upset about people fighting in the crowd. I'm like, you don't know, we're doing the gig. <laughs> we're doing the gig, George. We got to need the drummer back up on the stage. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's my main memory of George for the band. But, yeah, uh, Resnick and I, we lived together in 84, and uh, and then we did the band in 85 and 86. You still keep in touch with, with No, Johnny? I haven't talked to him since the 90s. <laughs> I, I mean, I, of course, like everybody else in Buffalo, I've seen Robbie and said hi to him because sure. he's, he's always here and he's always available and he's always gregarious. But you know, human. Yeah. Well, he, he what did he forget? He forget about his roots in Buffalo? You think? Who, John? Yeah. I don't know. I haven't talked to him. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, some of you might, might not know it, but in 1992 starts a TV show called The Greg Sterley Show. It's still going on to this day. How can we find that for our listeners? That's a good question. Can they find that at anywhere? Oh, it's on YouTube. And, I think the, I think the new version of the show is actually on. on channel, it's still on Channel 20 and Channel whatever. The, I mean, it's still cable access in, the, in, in uh, Buffalo and, and, uh, and also uh, where, Ontario or something. No, not Ontario. I'm oh, not Niagara sure. Falls and Lockport. I'm not sure where it's available. There's three. On there's three different Greg Sterling shows. Now. Nobody watches that anymore. So they just look for it on YouTube, probably. Yeah. The guy that's doing the show is really good about putting it online. So it, there is a YouTube channel where you can see all the new Greg Sterling shows. 
but it's not the old Greg Sterling show, but he is uploading the old ones too. Yeah, so that's our son, Tom Windsor. That's our son, Tom Windsor. <laughs> you think you know. mentioning like you say you say our you don't say our son, you say a guy is low, well, you know. Like how does how does television come to you? Like what 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 sparks the idea? Uh, I was talking to this hippie named Doobie Dave. <laughs> I wonder what he did. He did doobies. <laughs> <laughs> and uh so he stoned out of his mind in 1992. I was standing in front of Pink Flamingo at the Allentown Art Festival. I said, I'm thinking of doing a cable access show. What kind of cable access show should I do? I just, because our friend Richard Wicker was doing one. So I thought I should do one. That's how I got into amateur TV. And then he said, you should do it. This is right after Johnny Carson had retired, retired the month before. He said, you should do a talk show because you're like Johnny Carson, always asking questions, making all these snide comments. And I said, oh, okay. So Dewey Dave gave me the idea to, following Richard's footsteps. Richard was doing a show about it's called Snap Judgments where he and his friend Ron would just Ron MK would just they review movies without seeing them. It was called Snap Judgments. <laughs> <laughs> so they just go through the paper that week and then they actually show clips. They showed clips from they showed part of the trailer. They go, I don't know if I want to see this piece of shit, you know. <laughs> they, they didn't actually see the movies. They just reviewed them without seeing them. So I thought if Richard could do that stuff, why don't I do it? And so then I started doing the show with him but like what how do you do that like at the time at the time i i said well they had b cam in buffalo at the time and it was just this low budget operation and, and if you want to have a tv show you just had to give them three shows you have to make three shows to show you're really enthusiastic and then they let you go on cable access television because of course it's open to the public so we made three shows i made three shows with my friend chris and uh we had we had I think it's Chris Fates. And Richard we, had the equipment. Well, I made the, three shows with my friend Chris, and we we got it. We were out to get on the air, and it never happened. I don't know what the hell happened. And then, then I then I was hanging out with Richard. I said we should do the show at your house because he had a, he was doing a show, Stamp Chargers at his house. So then, we made three shows there, and then we got on the air. So it was basically working with Richard Wicca because he has a little mini TV studio at his at his house at the home of the future. The so home he's, of the he's future. Been my, he's been, yeah, the home of the future. You guys should go there. You should interview Richard for the, and you should go to his house and interview him, or have him come here. He'd come here probably. He'd probably come here. He and might come here. He's more likely to go to his house. But he might come here. He might. <laughs> it's not that far from here. He yeah, we're here at a Dog Ears Bookstore. This is a really great. Tommy McDonald uh, let us use the space, and uh, it's a, a great place for local authors. We hope to get Greg's stuff in here because, believe it or not, guess what, Mark? Greg wrote books. Jeez. Well, Ron Lyston tried to get me to bring my book out here. I never did, though, because I'm lazy. <laughs> but he, he, he said, yeah. go talk to Tom and bring your book out. And I said, I will, Ron. And he said, you know, I talked to Tom and bring your book out. I said, okay, I will, Ron. And then he said, hey, Greg, you know, you can put your book in that store. And I said, I will, Ron. But I never did. Yeah, but you want to know what? Some people don't write the book, and some people don't make the movie, and some people don't make 1,100 TV shows either. That's so, I mean, right, and some people aren't in 16 bands. <laughs> yeah, some people aren't <laughs> doing all those things. How many, how many, uh, did you make like a tape? Have you made like a record? Are you like, are you, have you gone through like I've made tapes and records. Uh, I know, I, made, I never made a, uh, I never put vinyl out. Pa, uh, Ron and I did a, we have a CD, so-called CD. It's a, it's a, it is a CD, but it's, I still say so-called. It's pretty good. Oh, Ski Mask engineered and produced it for us. And so we were when we were, we recorded it, like Ron would be down with the band in the basement, and I'd be up in the, upstairs singing, and, and, and Ski Mask would be yelling, ah, 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 like that a lot. <laughs> That's how he produced the album. He's like, ah, ah. Sometimes he'd run down to the band and go, ah, ah, ah. It was really, it was tense. You know, working with Ski Mask at his house and he's recording your album, that is a tense experience. <laughs> what, do you him. find it tense, Ron? 
Yeah, what? Paula loves him. How do you meet Ski Mask? How did you meet Ski Mask, Paula? No, I don't know. Ski Mask is another public access gem. Icon. Yeah, I, I don't know if I call him an icon. He's more is, of a gem. He, I don't know. We don't he know might him. be an icon. He's a gem. He's a gem. And I, I've met him before. He just fascinates me, this guy. And a lot of people in my generation, too. How did you meet? How'd you meet Ski Mask? He was laying in the gutter in front of Nietzsche's, <laughs> bleeding. And I said, boy, you really look like you're down your luck, buddy. Can I help you? And he said, I'm Ski Mask. <laughs> I said, I don't think so. You know, your mascot. How can you be Ski Mask? He goes, yeah, I really am. I said, why don't you come work with me? And he said, okay. And that was, that was when I met him. And then I introduced him to Paula at some point. You he, love him, though. I love Ski Mask. You think he's tender I, and sensitive? He's charming. Charming. I'm ski mask. That's well, charming. When he takes his ski mask off. Oh, it takes off, his mask he's off. Charming. He's charming. He's a very charming. He's not as man. charming when he's ski mask. How did you meet this? How did you meet Bad Ronald? Is that I, before? I'm assuming the Continental. Before I met Ski Mask. Then we, we met at the Continental. Oh, we met at Bus State, right? In your opinion? Allegedly, well, what, what happened at Bus State? Was there some band playing? There's uh, some band. Some band. The Ramones. Oh, Ramones gig. And then we met, it, <laughs> and we met there. I huh? was bopping around and. Uh, this guy comes up to me, and I kind of knew him because I had seen him on stage at the Continental with a clear bag with, um, I think he had some cookies and crackers and some macaroni and cheese in, in the uh, in the bag. Um, and I see him, I'm bopping around the Ramones, they're playing like uh, Spring Fest, and he goes, hey Ramones fan, I'm quoting, hey Ramones fan, you want to be in my band? And what band was that? I don't remember or, saying or you that. Wanna, you, wanna, <laughs> you did. You want you to start I a know, band. I but I don't remember it. I'm you saying. did. You, you want to start a band? And then History. we got talking. We exchanged phone numbers. And uh, I went to a couple uh, chemical number five practices and made my debut as a percussionist in this Yeah, because we had a drum thing. machine. Yeah, I, I added to the drum machine. We played percussion. And um, and I was, I never before that had sat behind a drum kit. I didn't know that. I had no idea. That was this my is inspiration a... of being a drummer was I, Me. I had some percussion stuff. <laughs> yeah, Greg, Greg, I know. I brought the kid along slowly. <laughs> <laughs> we started doing the band together, chemi- uh, the band named after him, not the Chemical Number 5, but the band Bad Ronald. Well, first of all, I called the band Bad Ronald starting in 1998. It's our 20th anniversary tour this year. And uh, I said, <laughs> the reason I called it Bad Ronald is because I figured – It'll keep him in the group. <laughs> <laughs> and he's still in the group to this day. I think we called ourselves like the metronomes or something. He would have been out like years ago. Like, oh, the metronomes. I don't want to be in this group me. anymore. But I said, I'm going to name it after your name. Not just after you, but your although, name. Although they did do at least one gig without me. Maybe two. We did, we did one How gig that I remember. Name? We How did one gig. Get this. It's, it's his, his name. It's Bad Ronald. We're, play, we're set up for Nietzsche's. He's in Cleveland. He calls me up and says, I'm having a good time in Cleveland. I'm not, not coming back to Nietzsche's. <laughs> Do you remember that? You didn't come back to Nietzsche's that one time. We, we had Terry Klein play drums. I thought I was working. No, you were in Cleveland. No, good. I know, but I worked in Cleveland. Oh, maybe you were working. Maybe he's working, not having a good time. Get, yeah. But he was in Cleveland having a, a bad time working, and he called us. <laughs> but, yeah, just the one time he missed the gig. And, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. What, what else was I saying? I've I've seen Bad Ronald quite entertaining. Sometimes an iron board gets pulled out. Sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, that used to be Ron's gimmick, the ironing board. It's been a while. He gave up. Why'd you give up on that? Because of some some complaints or? No, no, I'm ready to do it again when we have a full <laughs> gig where we're not like uh, you know, 20 minutes and we're you know 
Maybe when we're the headliner. But now you're formal, board, right? maybe, maybe we could set that up. You need an ironing board I don't now. think the art gallery, that's our, our last big main gig, was the right place for an iron To board. jump on an iron board? Yeah, but it probably was. Yeah, it, <laughs> it probably, probably was. was. It's the art gallery. Yeah, it's What's art. more artsy than having an ironing board at in the, the set? At the art gallery? Well, <laughs> that's, yeah, where I, that's where I played with Ski Mask he and Greg Greg. He and means the Revolution Art Gallery. Oh, the Revolution Art Gallery. Yeah. I was going to say, because I yeah, played there. Yeah, Paul had a band with scream, Ski Mask. Do you believe that? Set. What was oh, that yeah. band called? And, that was, and he played with his bass with a mask on, the Beat Chicks. And they played the Albright Knox Art Gallery, Paula and Ski Mask in a band together. So if you can imagine, Paula, you were screaming the whole time. I remember. I remember screaming, yes. While Chuck, uh, he was just, oh, I shouldn't say his name. Ski Mask was playing bass, and uh, that's not like his and, name being and mentioned. And Greg Greg was playing guitar. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, two other people that no one cares about were in the group. Right. But the, the main thing is you had Ski Mask playing bass Oh, for yeah, you. he was my bass player. <laughs> I seen Ski Mask uh, without his mask one time, and I walked up to him and I said, you're Ski Mask. I didn't know whether I was going to get killed or he he's was going to run out of there. Yeah, he's a big guy. <laughs> he's he six had, foot nine. Yeah, <laughs> and wow. he had a, he had a he had a rubber duck around his neck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how can I? How you decided how he was ski it? mask? Yeah, I mean, that that's got to be ski mask. I Who else has a rubber duck around their neck? Yeah, and I asked him about his keister baskets. He's always talking. When I was a kid, that you would go and he would say, "I'm going to give Halloween candy out to the keister baskets and put razor blades in fruit." <laughs> That's so nice of him. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, there's got to be a lot a lot of good times at the Continental. Tell a little, a people of Western New York and, and the world what the Continental was. A lot of people don't know what this place was, and it was a, a great place for music back well, then. Well, it used to be, what was his name, Bud Burke? Yep. Bud Burke owned it, but it was before it was like a restaurant, and, and he took it over, and, he, and somehow it morphed into a new wave punk club. Well, that was a time period, so... And he just, you know, he used to do those horrible announcements every Thursday. And he, I would call him every week to hear that he would he'd leave a new announcement. And it was really just terrible PR. It's like, hey, you reached the Continental. <laughs> and it was always the same band. Friday night, the Femmes. Friday night, the Femmes. Saturday, the Femmes. Sunday, the Femmes. <laughs> special show, special show Saturday, the Femmes. Special, Thursday, the special show Thursday, the great. It was always the same three or four bands playing. I don't know, people just dancing upstairs that were narcissists, staring at themselves in the mirror. <laughs> Super loud music, and then really bad punk rock and new wave downstairs. And then eventually they, they changed, they demolished the stage, and then it, it was never the same then when they demolished the stage. They moved it, they moved it to the other end of the They moved it to the other end of the place, and it was... Moved the bar. Like magic memories, Jim. Point. It just all went downhill. <laughs> <laughs> who, was the, who was the biggest band you guys seen at the Continental? Like for you guys, uh, it doesn't necessarily I, I, have like. Well, Richard Hell, I saw, and he was pretty big. Uh, I don't know. Did you see Johnny Thunders? Maybe Ron. Or? I saw Johnny Thunders. Um, I saw Didi Ramone had his had a band after uh, kind of broke off from the Ramones. Um, I did not go, but Billy Idol played there. Apparently, Cindy didn't Cindy Lauper play there. Did you talk to John Lydon there when he wasn't playing? He was oh, playing yeah, somewhere yeah, else, that, though. Yeah, that would be a... But he was playing somewhere else, though. It, yeah. Uh, Public Image Limited was playing at the Icon. Yeah, Paul has played the Icon. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and Johnny Lydon. And she played Johnny Lydon? No, I'm just saying... She, <laughs> oh. she, <laughs> now, that would she be didn't play story. him, no. No, but Johnny Lydon... What was very cool about the Continental, like, when uh, bands had... And I this should be Greg talking. When bands played anywhere near... They would always wind up at, at, you know, so Johnny Lydon, better known as Johnny Rotten, showed up, and 
it was already closing, but people hung around. His roadies were hanging around, and a few of the regulars were still hanging around. They weren't serving drinks, mind you, but they were just finishing their drinks, and a fight started. And um, Johnny Lydon, like, jumped over the bar and broke up broke up a fight. Wow. So, like, can't we all get along? And the Beastie Boys came in there after they played UB. Um, so, Hunter S. Thompson went there when he, after he was at Buff State. Hunter S. Thompson. Was, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, Continental. I saw the Buff State show he, he did. He just he just grumbled and mumbled to insult the audience. But then he went to the Continental. I didn't go to the Continental that night. But everyone, all my friends saw him there. So, the after the Continental closes, it's like for people, it's kind of like Nietzsche's. Does Nietzsche's take over? The Mohawk? Where? where what's the next place for the, the quote-unquote punk rockers of Western New York? Where do you go after the Continental closes? Nowhere. We're all we're all senior citizens now, so we stay home. <laughs> you just stay at home? We stay at home and watch television. <laughs> we watch the Greg Sterling show. Or the Greg Sterling show, yeah. <laughs> the, the Greg Sterling show is so interesting because you gave... Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 you gave a lot of young bands a start, a platform. Maybe. I don't remember. Well, I mean, you, you see, you see like NPR now, like they're doing what you did. Oh, that stuff. I did that before. before. Yeah, yeah. Saying, you, like, you started. But in Buffalo. Yeah. But then you got to think like it's before like... Anything has started, and you were doing this, you know, like yeah. I was before NPR in a lot of ways. I was before Terry Gross interviewing. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> she was interviewing people way before I was. But uh, yeah, that's right. It's kind of like tiny desks, but it's just for local bands, though. So it means, that, of course, they don't go anywhere. They just and no one's interested. And but, you know. I can tell you how that evolved. He got tired of asking oh, yeah. people that he knew to be on the show because it's always been a bone of contention having to get guests. And then he said, I know, I can access a list of bands and I can just contact them out of the blue and they'll want to come on because they're bands and they want to promote themselves. Right. So, yeah, they did. And it, it worked really well. And then I, therefore, for like two years, we had six to seven people a week from bands. <laughs> and then, uh, so that was like hundreds and hundreds of people. And I always like, go somewhere and someone would say, my band was in your show. And I'd say, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> I'm sure they were. Like what? <laughs> How? Which band was it? <laughs> what, like, what was the team at that point? Like, was it just you? Was it, is there like, is there a whole bunch of guys? It was me, Paula, my wife here. She did the this opening monologue. She would write an opening monologue, and she'd she'd prepare it and she'd write it, and then she we put video to that, and she'd say stuff that was interesting about the either about the guests or about whatever she felt like talking about, and then we had our friend John did photos, and and Richard Wick is the one who. To his, it's his show yeah. at the home of the future. He's like engineer, producer, and uh, but there, you had a lot of co-hosts. I mean, oh yeah, we had all we had. And what, then I we we had a lot of co-hosts because my friend Tim Saraki he weaseled in as a co-host, but then he he said I don't want to do your damn show anymore. It sucks. So what? So, so I left the door open for, for co-hosts. I got I got an almost all female co-host after that. I'm thinking if I'm gonna have a co-host, might as well have a you know female energy, <laughs> a different dynamic, <laughs> yeah. different dynamic. Yeah. Than Tim. Tim's more like me, you know, a curmudgeon guy. So, so we had a lot of female co-hosts that went on for years. Especially there was number, there was one Gwen Kears. She was on for years at a time, you know. And she is, was, is that, and she's the one that's in a lot of your movies. And she now she was in the, on the show for two years straight, and then then we hated each other's guts, and we stopped talking to each other for a while. <laughs> then we made up, and then she's been in all, yeah, she's the only one in all five movies. The only one who's been there all the way through. Give us a list of those movies. Uh, the first one's Ross and Gwen, which is about a couple lobotomizing each other. No, they're a couple that whose marriage is saved by oh, electroshock therapy. <laughs> and lobotomy. And, and, um, and drugs. And drugs. 
And then we did Failure, which is about a college basketball coach who's like a Bobby Knight type. You guys should know about that, sports. Yeah. And then we did Sweet Jesus, about Jesus Christ, Almighty God, coming, showing, showing up in Niagara Falls to check up on things. You probably know about Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, that, and then Ron played Elvis Presley in the Jesus Christ movie. He played Elvis Presley. That's and an amazing. F- and an FBI agent. And an FBI agent. He played double <laughs> role. Elvis role. Presley. I'm not surprised. No. That was the first double role, I believe. That was the first double role. And then the next movie was called Failure. Uh, was called, uh, that Failure was the second one. The, the Big Mess. And that was just, we were supposed to have the women take over the mafia. Right? And their it, it was supposed to be bang, bang, bang. It was, it was supposed, supposed to be called to be bang, bang, bang. Three but. sisters who killed their husbands. They were they were the, actually the daughters of the Don. They married his whatever you call those guys who, who work under the Don. So they married soldiers. 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 They married those guys, and then they got sick of them. So they killed them off, and then they took over them because the father wouldn't let them be part of the mafia. So they killed them off, and they took over. Is there any place we can see these movies? No. <laughs> <laughs> so we need, to, we need to have a screening. We need to have a nerd Paul night. Paul said we, we should have down. a screening room at the, screening at the screening room where we show all five movies in I one w- day. I agree. I, I want to do I agree. that. I want to do that, but the thing is, I want to I want to have Sweet Jesus edited first, but what, that's probably never going to happen. She wants to edit the Jesus Christ movie first because it could be edited better. Yeah. Well, yeah, the new movie is Catcher and Rye with Diamonds about Chapman yeah. killing Lennon. Now, how does that's that... That's all Ron's great cameo acting. Yeah, I have, a, I have a copy of Sweet Jesus, though, and... Greg and I are also in the soundtrack of the movie, which, uh, you know, Singing. although he's been, we've been in a band for on our 20th tour, 20th year anniversary tour, and he's done five movies and he has not used a bad one, one of the bad Ronald songs Why is in that? any of the movies. Well, because the first, uh, the, all those early movies, we, had, we, had, we didn't do a good recording at, with Ski Mask yet, and then... And the last, the first three, we hadn't done a good recording with Ski Mask yet, so there was no good Ski Mask recording to put on the movies. And then the fourth movie, I decided to use all classical music, so we could have used Bad Round on that. And the fifth movie, I decided to use all John Lennon music, so I figured, well, I'm not going to throw Bad Round into the John Lennon mix. Do you, so, now, wh- for that. who's doing the who's doing the music in the in the movie? Since it's a, a nonprofit movie, do, do you use? Yeah, I mean, we, that's that's what I feel like our show has is a lot of grinders, a lot of guys that hustle. Like, I'm how did you make these? I mean, how did you do it? <laughs> how did you do it? I resent you saying I'm a hustler and a grinder. <laughs> you, you are a hustler. You got it. I'm not a hustler grind. or a grinder, Jim. <laughs> do not <laughs> you, say that. It, First, it, you were complimenting me, both of you, and now you're saying I'm a hustler and a grinder. But, I mean, we that's how I would compliment people. Cause, I mean, oh, yeah. Like, well, we it's had, a compliment. Yeah, they, I'm a hustler and a grinder. Yeah, yeah both. <laughs> so, yeah. like. How do you make these movies? Where's the money? What like that? That well, is well, we have a we have insanely a hard cookie jar. Yeah, <laughs> and there is no money. There's, so it's there, funded completely by you, produced by you. Yeah, Paul each and everything that we've the, talked. Paul about. throws in the small amount of money. Okay. Sometimes other people throw in small amounts of money. For the like last Richard Wicca. movie, for the last movie, it was thrift store clothing, which you paid for, I, which I paid for because. We had to get period clothing, so I had to get vintage stuff. Right. And then um, we paid for one night overnight in New Jersey so we could film in New York. And we paid for the meals for the people that went to, to New York. Yeah, because we shot in Manhattan for the uh, authenticity. And then, oh, we had to pay like $100 or something to some venue that we... Oh, yeah, we, we had yeah, some one of our friends put the money in and for then, the venue. Oh, the one Ron was in, it's the Ukrainian American yeah, Civic Center. We had to pay we for that. We had to pay $100 for that to use it. They didn't, my friend Aaron didn't tell me until after we already agreed to do it. I sent all the actors up. Then he told me, oh, we need $100. Oh, oh, oh of course you do. 
So, so, the, so I, I, so little pit, little bits of money. If, if you really think about it, it's really it, low. Up, up to the point where we finish production, it costs us maybe two to three thousand dollars. Wow. Everybody worked for free. But that's you know, like amazing. To we get have product out of well that's nothing, what you know, that's what Greg i'm a hustler with you hustle and a grinder and you Mark. grind it out <laughs> that's it, how it, i do it well somebody <laughs> said it earlier a visionary you know you make a, your vision you happen. said i was a visionary earlier it was but you no, it wasn't me i was talking to somebody else earlier yeah, who <laughs> said you were a visionary <laughs> we did our homework because you, you didn't know who we, then, i was yeah. so you're like who we've He's met a visionary we've never met before it was at the hop in. It was. For, oh, we met before. We have met. I bartended. Oh, we're close, band Mark. Played. Yeah, <laughs> we've met. I like your uh, name. You know, but Mark. I had a beard. Of oh, all the, you were the guy with the beard. Yeah, I had a big old beard. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I remember, I remember that. that guy. Yeah. Of all the, <laughs> of, of all the things that Greg does, I'll tell you what he does best. He people gets please. people together and. And you know how I do that. You know how I, I to work for nothing. You know how I do get, get people together <laughs> and make them work for nothing or have them work for nothing. It's because Dale Carnegie, I took up Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People 25, 30, 35 years ago. And if you just win friends and influence people, they'll do things for free. That's what it is. <laughs> Once you win them and you influence them, you can say, can you do this for free? They're like, yeah, I can. You've influenced me and you want my friendship. So that's what I do. So I'll, I'll do to Dale Carnegie. He's got that's me sold. Way. I'll be yeah, in the next movie. Yeah, whatever, yeah, you need. Tell. <laughs> whatever you need. <laughs> you guys are great. You're, you're, in the next, you're in the sixth movie. <laughs> yes. Actually, before... We did a bar scene in the Ukrainian hall. I had suggested to hop in. We were looking at maybe even. We were listening to that today. To hop in. Oh yeah, yeah. We we watched that show where you say it. Yeah, the Greg Sterling show. The hop in. Yeah, it's uh, we played there for my birthday, of course. But 49, yeah, that that's where we met. Yeah, yeah. I remember meeting you, Jim. Oh, I bet. <laughs> it's, it's a good thing that I actually stole ski masks ski mask that, that time and me and my buddy put it on and and took pictures of it cuz people wouldn't have believed us. In, yeah. yeah, and we just yelled at each other. We put it on and I turned it ah like we really yelled at each other. You don't have to use words when you're ski mask. No. Yeah. I just we just we took it off and we're like we I hope this guy don't have lice or anything. Yeah, he probably soaks <laughs> those in meat. Yeah, I hope he something. does not have lice. <laughs> I, I did I did um a great story show where or just out of the blue, I was a co-host, and I just threw on a mask and just did my, my ski mask. The impersonation of ski mask. So how yeah. many episodes of the show are there? There must be like 1,100 or something like that. There, you could go we're on, on four. So. Yeah, we're, we're on four. <laughs> <laughs> we watch four. So you got to do like 1,096 more. <laughs> I'm saying, well, like we're on episode four of our own show. Like, this is episode four. I feel like we've done a considerable amount of work till now. And you really you're have. You're a grinder and a hustler, man. I'm just, I mean, <laughs> I sort of am. I, I'll take that as a compliment. I, on the show, you, and we always like to have a Jimmy Griffin story. You got a Jimmy Griffin story. You interviewed him on the show. Tell us a little about that. Well, we had him on twice. And it's funny because Richard Wicket was smart. He said, since you retired, Jimmy, why don't you do the Jimmy Griffin show here every week at my house? You, and you live in South Buffalo. I live pretty close by. He said, that sounds good. Then he started talking to people about it. Jimmy did. And he thought, wow, this guy's like a hall walls, artsy-fartsy guy. I don't know if I want to really do that. It would have been great, him just having doing the Jimmy Griffin show every week. He didn't do it, though. But, uh, yeah, we had him on twice. Were you only there once with him, Ron? Or you were there once. And, and I said, I don't want to show. I don't know if it was one show you were on, Ron. I said, now that we're close friends, Jimmy, can we go to the Bison's game together? He said, I would go with anybody with you, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> Story. I was, I was brutal. That was the second one. That was the second one. That was brutal. I thought we were really good buddies after two shows, and he punked me off. I was just like, I guess he was, you know. He was being nice. He like, hey, you know, called me earlier in the day. He goes, 
we're having Jimmy Griffin on. He goes, I, I, you know, being tell you're from South Buffalo, yeah, I'd like you to, you know, be a part of it. So I was the co-co-host. Because we had with, Gwen, too. Gwen, yeah. And um, I, I still have a picture, well, it's somewhere, because it was in the visor of my car forever with me, Greg, and Gwen. And, and You've been in a lot of special moments. Jimmy Griffin and Jonathan Richmond. Jonathan. And, of course, when we went to Scotty Bowman's house. Oh, talk about that. That was wild. I took Ron. I don't give a damn about hockey, but Ron likes <laughs> hockey, as you well know. And so I thought, oh, it'd be a nice gesture to invite Ron to Scotty Bowman's house. And we went there for, we were there like over two hours. It was long, right? We went in his basement. It was great. We went in his basement. He liked us so much after the interview. He took us to his basement and he showed us all his stuff. He had piles of Scotty Bowman trading cards, pictures of him with all the uh, famous celebrities. The, the mini, and mini Stanley Cups. Mini, oh, and he had mini Stanley Cups we took photos with. What? The rug. The, well, the rug thing, yeah. Paul was mentioned before we started recording. Yeah, and he had in the living room, he had a rug, a custom designed rug that had four of the five teams he'd, he'd coached for up to that point. Or maybe it was four of six. I can't wait. He had four of them. He didn't have all of them. There's someone missing. I don't know if it was St. Louis or what, but he had Sabres and three other ones. But it was really, it was great. Even though I don't even like hockey, but I was, you know, so I was, my brother told me to ask him really bad questions. So my brother Mark said, you know, why can't you have a sumo wrestler in goal and just fill up the <laughs> just get a sumo wrestler on skates and just have him fill the goal so it's like he didn't like that idea and my my brother had an idea where you just get rid of the goalie and you just have a little little hole and it, the game ends up being like 88 to 86 and he didn't like that idea <laughs> and then i said scotty you know who's kidding who it's willy nilly it is the greatest coach in hockey history right or one of the yeah, greatest, yeah probably now yeah i mean technically with nine stanley cup wins right yeah and and i actually i i think because we talked to him ron before he won with Detroit, I th I think that we spurred him on to win with Detroit. <laughs> we helped him out. We gave him inspiration and confidence. But uh, I just feel like uh, what was my point here? Scotty Bowman. Oh, oh, because you, about the strategy thing. Oh yeah, the strategy thing. So I, oh, thank you, Paul. You have a good memory. It's a few seconds ago. <laughs> uh, I said it's all willy nilly bullshit, isn't it? You just the puck just flies around. This is the greatest coach in hockey history. We have him on. We had well, I had it on on tape, and we still have it. But he said he said. Yeah, I basically just coach him up before the game all week and then during the practices, and then the game's willy-nilly. I'm like, exactly. <laughs> he actually said, this is Scotty Bowman going, yeah, there's no real strategy. What can I do? They're out the fucks flying around. I mean, I go, yeah, exactly. And everyone's always telling me strategy of hockey, strategy of hockey. He's like, and Scotty Bowman said, no, it's not really. Once the game goes, it's flying. It's, it's play by the seat of your pants. And I thought it was great to get him to admit that. Well, he didn't, it wasn't like admitting, like getting a confession. I mean, he's like, yeah, obviously. <laughs> no, one ever, no one ever mentions that to me, but yeah. So I just sit at the bench in my suit, you know, and stand there. Irv, Irv Weinstein? Irv Weinstein, we, it was exciting. We went to the, we, we got a hold of him and went to, and Richard Wicket, we asked Richard Wicket to go with us. He, you know, we were talking about him. I always, he was the, doing the, he usually do the uh, videography, do the camera work. He's like, I don't want to go see Irv Weinstein. So we got, a, got our friend to bring a camera to see Irv Weinstein. And, we, and Irv was like, well, who are these punks? He met us in the lobby at Channel 7 outside. You're not in his office or anything. Like, and we won him over. And we were winning him over. And then Tim Seracki said, my co-host Tim said, he said, you're from Rochester, Irv. I know, that, I know that about you. And he was like, oh. No one ever says that to me. Everyone thinks I'm from Buffalo. You're right. I am from Rochester. Come in my office. <laughs> <laughs> and he took us in his office. He went past. We went past the security. He's like, I'm bringing these people in. And he and he want. I want to show you something. He took us in his office and he said, Look at this photo, Greg. It's me with Richard Nixon. <laughs> <laughs> like this is great. Or you and Richard Nixon, two 70s icons. <laughs> it was great. So we won him over, and he was really. Ex and that, of course, like always happens to me. I win people over. 
Like Jimmy Griffin, I kind of won him over, but he said, I don't want to, you know, deal with you ever. I would never go to a Bison's game with you. When I saw him the next time at, at a Bison's game, I said, Jimmy, it's me. He's like, yeah, who, who are you? <laughs> and the same thing happened with Irvin Weinstein. I thought we were really getting along. You know, he takes me to his office. I see him at a restaurant six months later. Hey, Irv, I did that interview. He's like, who are you? <laughs> you <know? laughs> Mary Alice Demler, too. Who, who are you? You did <laughs> Every Mary single Alice time. I see shot. Yeah, I asked Mary Alice Demler on a show. Well, you had asked her on a show, Paul, right? And I yeah. said to Mary Alice Demler, would you like a glass of wine? And she said, yeah. I said, we don't, we don't serve wine in a show. <laughs> What's wrong with you, Mary Alice? It's a professional show. <laughs> And then she was saying bullshit about, oh, you know, the Miss uh, America pageant I was in, it's all about scholarships, and it's all about intellectual pursuits. I said, no, it's not. <laughs> it's about women in bathing suits. What are you talking about? Right? Yeah. Those are the two highlights of the Mary Alice Demler interview. Who is, who is your favorite person you interviewed? Probably Mark Freeland. Who is that? Who's that? He's a local icon who's down dead. Uh, he, was, he was really... Outrageous. So he, I really liked having him on. Huh? He was in a band called the Femmes. Though, have you ever seen the Femmes? They were, they were, they're my all-time favorite Buffalo band. He hated my guts intensely. He, he said, he <laughs> thought I was trying to kill him. He, his girlfriend thought I was trying to kill him. It was really, but I, he was one of my favorites. Him and I like this guy Frank Prinzi was a comedian. He was really, and then he turned born again Christian and he dropped out of sight, but found the Lord and. I don't know if he's still funny, but those two guys, basically, I mean, that are not celebrities. They're just local people. Mark Freeland and Frank Prinzi probably stand out for me. Right? I don't know. Can you, I mean, can you think of a third one that was really, those two are great. But they're, you know, they're not famous, but well, the they were sports, great, great comedian. Guy, the, the oh, Ed Kilgore was Ed great Kilgore. to have on. We had him on twice. Oh, I, I five head. Huh? Five head. He's got a five head. Does he have oh. a five? I, I met Ed Kilgore once. I go, hey, Ed, nice fucking forehead. He looked at me. He wanted to wow. me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, you said nice fucking forehead. That's not exactly a, a winning opener, Jim. Yeah. I I had a few. It I was mean, actually at the, I was at the Drew Bledsoe uh, parade. I know. They had a parade the Drew for Drew Bledsoe parade. Yeah, when we got Drew Bledsoe, they had a parade. So I went and got shit-faced. And uh, they were... I had too many, and I ran into Ed Kilgore. Nice five head, yeah. yeah nice five. Head. Which reminds me, Jerry Sullivan was on the show three times, and he's a really good guest. Yeah, he I got, is sorry, a good he got guy. fired. Yeah, of course. And just like I said about Irv and Mary Alice Demler, you know, about the next time I see them, Jimmy Griffin. Next, after he's, I interviewed him four times, Jerry Sullivan, and when we saw him on the street last year. I said, "Hi, Jerry, it's me." He's like, uh, and he walked Whenever across I the would. street. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say hi. Or, not even like, I thought. I said to Paula, even even if I was just a, a fan, we didn't never met before. When you say hi back to the fan, like hi, he didn't bother to go like, you know, hey Jerry, like you think he'd say, hey, nice day. He didn't even do that. He just walked, you know. He used to always ask about you when I saw him downtown. So yeah, well, he, I guess he was equating. He, so he probably should have stopped for you that day then, because. <laughs> so yeah, Jerry Sullivan was good. Yeah. There's a lot of them. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of them. Over the Jonathan Richmond was good. He's famous. He's in. You know, he's he's been on. He's been on, well, the best thing about Jonathan Richmond was he's he's been on. He was on Letterman. For me, I mean. He was on Letterman. He was on Conan, for instance. He was on Jay Leno performing music. And he said he hates he hated uh, Conan. He said, I was better than Conan. but uh, No, he hated Letterman. I was better than the... That was the thing. He said, I was better than Letterman. That's what he said. He, he liked Conan, but he didn't like Letterman. They thought Letterman was an asshole. So he said, you're better than Letterman. I was like, oh, my God. Wow. Better than Letterman. That's great. <laughs> and that's the guy, something about Mary. He plays yeah, the Yeah, there's music. something about Mary. He plays it, music through the whole yeah, thing. He gets it, shot between. at the end, he dies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about uh, 
That's a big movie there's something about Mary. Yeah. That was a year before. I think we encouraged him to get on with his career. <laughs> yeah. Like we encouraged Scotty Bowman to win with Detroit. You know, we helped. Oh, Richard, inspiring people. Inspiring. You, ought to, you ought to be in a movie. I said you and ought to be. Yeah, he was, in, he, was in, uh, he was in that bowling movie first with them. Kingpin. Yeah, Whoa, Kingpin. Yeah. yeah. And then. But then when we, we met him, we said, you really should get a bigger role. And then he had a bigger <laughs> role in There's Something About Mary the next year. So. He pushed for that it. That was a big hit. Yeah, yeah. it was. So. Didn't you ask him uh, what his favorite donut was? I believe you did. I can't remember. I think you did. I think you were on a donut kick for a while, and you were asking everybody what <laughs> their favorite donut was. I might have asked him what his favorite was. donut was. But what I, was I'm it? pretty sure uh, you – Jelly? I, I, forgot what he, I forgot his answer, but I remember you ask, asking him what his favorite donut was. What's your favorite donut? I like chocolate, uh, glazed chocolate uh, – Chocolate on chocolate on chocolate. <laughs> what question? It's, Mark. A, it's a Greg. It's a Greg Sterlace question. You're a hustler and a grinder. <laughs> You're grinding over I, there. I take it as a compliment. You did not take it as a compliment. <laughs> no, no, I do. I do. Uh, thanks for taking those hustler and a grinder. That's how I get people to do things for free. He does. So the, the movie is Catcher in the Rye with Diamonds. We're actually walking up upstairs to Dog Ears, and there's Catcher in the Rye art, which was. Yeah, I thought on the wall amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's weird. It's everywhere. We realized we noticed since we started making the movie Catching a Ride with Diamonds, it took six years, and we I was amazed how many places Catching a Ride is referenced. Everywhere. When I started realizing it's everywhere. Like it's all over the place. Like, like there's a interview book with the famous director Billy Wilder, and they only asked him about one book. They said, "Did you read Catching a Ride?" That kind of thing. Like these these little things where you keep seeing it everywhere. It's it's amazing how often it is uh, mentioned. Right, Paul? It is. It is. It's ridiculous. Every, every few weeks, I well, tell you, it's, a, it's here all, and it's here. That's it's, how we got all those little vignettes at the end of the movie. Oh, yeah. At the end of the movie, we show Will Smith talking about Catcher in the Rye to Donald Sutherland. We see we show Mel Gibson and Julia Roberts talking about Catcher in the Rye. We show Woody Allen talking about Catcher in the Rye. We show Stephen Colbert talking about Catcher in the Rye. So it's really, I mean, it's. I knew about those four things I just mentioned. It's like... Celebrities on video on TV shows and in movies talking about Catcher in the Rye. That's how big it is. You know, it's 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 really a big thing in our culture. So I thought that would be a good idea to work. To you know, we, we, Paul had the idea to. I said we should do something about Catcher in the Rye. You said that we should do the Chapman version. When I told you about Mark having the book with them. And well, I wasn't that interested in just doing the no. Catcher in the Rye because it's we we're not supposed to. Right. You know, I we don't I really thought have the, uh, I thought a, a good idea is just ability. to try to look at the book and see what Chapman actually read in the book that made him kill John Lennon. I mean, h- how can you read a book like this and then say? And then he told me because I don't keep up on. I live in sometime in BC. I live in like a hundred BC somewhere. I don't really <laughs> live in this. So. He told me all these other people who were encouraged to kill people by the book, and I'm like, something's in this book, and if we could read it and figure out what it is, then we can have a really interesting movie. And boy, that explo- Then Greg just got to work on reading over the book and finding the parts. I was grinding through the script. We were grinding. <laughs> you hustle and- <laughs> to read books. <laughs> but so we, that was that was an interesting idea to me, and and then we had to move back to Buffalo in order to do it because we couldn't talk anybody into in. We're in Miami, Miami into working for free. <laughs> well, we didn't try, but you didn't. Well, you didn't inspire anyone down there to work no, for free. No, we didn't yet. inspire anybody. You needed more time. No, we could have inspired me, but yeah. And then we said we have to have Ron in the movie. So there was there was a there was a, a piano player in the movie, and the book, and we you, we made it into a bar. T- I made it into a bartender for Ron. So having him be a piano player, I thought he could do a, be a bartender. 
So he did his great cameo, and, and it's weird. I mean, he's in it for like uh, 22 seconds max, and people have been saying to me for the last two weeks, oh, Bad Ronald's really great in your movie. Bad Ronald's really great in your movie. <laughs> and, and, and our friend Paul Galvin said, my girlfriend keeps saying, you got to take acting lessons from Bad Ronald because he knows how to act. You're not a good actor. <laughs> like, you're in 22 seconds, Ron. i got more compliments about you acting than anybody else. He just looks so young. I, um, Peter Pan. I like He's the, like Peter um, Pan. Yeah. yeah. I was shocked we uh, for uh, the Sweet Jesus movie. I mean, I was embarrassed. I mean, I'm sitting there watching it. I was with, with my niece, and we were she was over 21. But, you know, they do the credits at the end, and I get this, like, rip-roaring... You know, I have, like, two lines in that movie. You know, I'm more proud of, like, the the soundtrack. Like, I sing, Greg and I sing part of a song, and then I sing another song with the girl. Um, and um, I was more proud of the, the singing, singing than I was the actual, the the acting. And I was, like, nervous. And I still would like to shoot my scene again in that movie, you know. Playing Elvis? Then the, yeah. The, the, then the FBI agent, they cut a scene, which was kind of funny because... Uh, uh, Connie from Offbeat Cinema was getting inter- interrogated, you know, like by by the FBI. And I bring her in, and she doesn't tell me she's doing this. She stops in a mirror, and she has like what appears to be hairspray, and she's like ready to spray. And then she sprays me, and and it yeah, got, we did cut that out. Yeah, they cut it out. But why did I cut? That it was out? like I don't know because it's hilarious because she never told me she was gonna do that. And the the like the shock like. You know, I, I got the earpiece on, I got the suit on, and, you know, and I'm doing, you know, and all of a sudden she's like, I'm escorting her. And she stops in a mirror, she looks at it, and then she's like, she takes the spritzer out of her purse, and, and then she like, on purpose, like, sprays me. And um, and the look on my face, and it was like, it never got aired, but I like. Yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't, I don't know why I cut that. We probably should have kept that in, as opposed to some of the other things we yeah, kept in. Yeah, I, I can't believe I cut that now. <laughs> did, that you, did you edit all, this movie as well? I don't edit anything. This movie was edited by our friend Lori Michaels, and she never edited a movie before, but she did a really good job of editing. We've actually got... Oh, for Catcher in the Rye with Diamond. Catcher in the Rye, yeah. Uh, the other four movies were edited by Richard Wicca, and then he didn't want to do it this time, so we, uh, we ended up just having Lori Michaels just out of the blue end up being an editor for us. And even even Jeff Simon said she was a great editor. Well, the thing What was, was so, Jeff Simon's review of your movie? Well, it was in the Buffalo, Buffalo, Buffalo. It was, it was, just, it was just on the BuffaloNews.com. And he just said it was a brilliant, original and brilliant and creative and and uh, basically, you know, how what geniuses we are. Well, I want right? to clear something up. <laughs> Visionaries. I want to clear something Visionaries. up about the editing, though. I mean, you don't send somebody off to edit the movie and then they come back with a finished product. You have input in the editing process. So, you know. I make all the decisions. Somebody technically edited the movie, but... Of course, the whole, I'm the one who decided to cut Ron's team, thing out with the uh, spray. The yeah. whole team makes decisions on on what stays, but I have the and final he say. has the final say, no matter what. what? I'll decide. We have a, we had yeah, a guy on we here. We have a says, guy. Yeah, I'll decide. That live that by seems those. that seems like the the kind of people we get on the show are people that make decisions. That's what I'm all about. Yeah. It's part of being a grinder and a hustler. And a hustler. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get it in there. You, you got to decide things. What <laughs> What interesting things did you find out about Chapman while making the movie, doing research? Anything interesting about, about yeah, this? Yeah, the most whack? interesting thing is we thought, I thought I came up with his, his uh, motive because I was reading a book by Vincent Bugliosi who wrote Helter Skelter, and I was reading a book about religion, and I was reading a book about his biography, and in we kind of, I kind of think that be one of the reasons he killed him was because uh, he said that the, the 
cops the day after he shot him that uh, shot Lennon, he said he had a devil inside him. He had the devil saying, do it, do it, do it to him. And in the book, the only, it's the only, only in the Gospel according to John, not Mark, Matthew, or Luke, only in the Gospel according to John, which is what he left in the hotel room, you know, he wrote Lennon after the Gospel according to John Lennon for the cops, does it say uh, he had, Judas had the devil in him, and he said, do it, do it, do it, you know, do it now. And Jesus said to him, do it now. Yeah, you know, if like, you're going to do it, do it now. Do it now, do it now. And, it's and, in, that, yeah. and, and that, that turned out to be uh, uh, verse 27. Uh, it was chapter 13, verse 27. And he said the reason, the thing about killing him was the 27th chapter of the book, so it was chapter 27. So he had 27 on his mind. He said the movie, the book, the murder was chapter 27. And in the Bible, and only in the Gospel according to John does it say in verse 13, uh, uh, chapter 13, verse 27, does it say, do it now. The devil is inside you, do it now. That's what he told the cops the next it day. It was so, a freak. But he never, I've never seen it, in the, I've never seen it, in, it's not in either of the biographies I could find or on, online that that's, one of the reasons he was taking the, he was reading the Bible and it was matching up with what he was thinking. So, and he thought he saw Mia, Fia, Mia Farrow. He might, she might not have been there, but he thought Monday, December 8, 1980, she lives nearby. But she, he thought he saw her and she did the Rosemary's Baby Devil movie there at the Dakota. And he said, now that I see Mia Farrow and the devil's inside me, today will be the day. And he, then he shot him that day. So that, I thought that was interesting because I never saw it in any, any books or magazine articles. That, it, that, it, that was one of the reasons he, he did it because it all matched up in his crazy mind. It's chapter 27 of the book. The book has 20, 26 chapters, and it's in the, only in the Gospel according to John, and he, which he writes Lennon next to, not in the other three. We checked to make sure it wasn't in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and it wasn't. It was well, really... Well, in, in the Bugliosi book, he came upon the quote, and I don't remember what it was it in reference with the biography, to. Yeah. I don't remember what it was in reference to, but no. when he said, listen to this... He had the devil inside of him, and he said, do it now. And we had just read or watched something on, on uh, video yeah. about Chapman saying that. And it was, and then when we did the research, we found out it was only in John. Only in John. So that was we, the weirdest thing. We just about f we freaked out. It was like complete, it, it synced up completely. I don't know. Is this making sense to It was you? actually a song by Lennon, which is an anti-shooting song, where he says, do it, do it, do it, do it now. But he's saying... But he says, stop the killing now. So Lennon says, stop the killing now. But he says, do it, do it, do it, do it now. So he said he had a voice in his head saying, do it, do it, do it now. But it was the devil. But So that was the most interesting thing we found because I haven't seen it anywhere else. There wasn't a uh, book of Ringo because uh, <laughs> yeah. we're having a problem here. Yeah, if there was a book of Ringo or a book <laughs> of uh, and Maybe Ringo would not be here. In, uh, How many of your books are about the Beatles? Two. Two of the books, and what? And one of them is about books that you've received about the Beatles. That's right, Mark. Good question. Okay, <laughs> and uh, just so people know that you're not just talking about the Beatles. You know, you you've. I'm a Beatles studied. expert. Exactly. I'm a Beatles scholar. <laughs> uh, anyways, the Buffalo News has been saying that lately about me, so it must be true. <laughs> of course, they also put me in the. Gusto is Greg Spurlack. Spurlack. So, yeah, that's Spurlack. where that's where Schemas got that from. Oh, he said, the from? Buffalo News researched it, and they found out at Ellis Island your name was Spurlack. <laughs> they spent many hours researching that. You're Greg Spurlack. I just thought they lost the, the E, and they put a P in there somewhere, but no. It was actually, I, was, I wasn't very happy it was in Augusto. Greg Spurlack, lead singer of Bad Ronald. It said lead singer of Bad Ronald in that article. I was like, they got Bad Ronald's name right, but it says Greg Spurlack. I mean, your name was right. They spelled my name wrong in the Jeff Simon article. In the Jeff Simon article, they spelled your name wrong, right. <laughs> well, Buffalo News needs a Buffalo reader. snooze, as yeah. Jimmy Griffin would say. Yes, yes. Hit him with the Beatles. Get the, the Beatles, yeah. The Beatles I, I wrote two stuff. books about the Beatles. One about Donald Trump, our president, and what, one, one about Bob Dylan. What, what, uh, 
what interesting things have you heard about the Beatles that you've read? You know that you've wrote about. I mean, who doesn't who doesn't like the Beatles? I'm well, sitting here. Ron with, doesn't. Well, right that's here. not a surprise. Well, I, I like the Beatles. I just think they're slightly overrated. Like the he thinks hip. everyone's overrated. He told me the Tragically Hip's overrated. The Grateful Dead are overrated. They are. They are. <laughs> <laughs> Very overrated. <laughs> Extremely overrated. Both those bands. Well, like, are you a Paul or are you a John guy? Yeah, John. And luckily, the movie's about John. How many times <laughs> have you switched sides in life in lifetime? Have you Never. ever switched? No. I feel like it's Paul be- draws you in and John keeps you sticking around. You know, I, I don't know. No. That's wrong. <laughs> Paul never Mark, you're wrong. brought me in. I could no. have wrong. I don't know much about the Beatles. No, I, I mean, when I was young, I was thinking, I'm smart. I wear glasses. I'm a, I'm a freak. And, and, and in the Beatles image, he wears glasses, is smart, and is the freakiest of, of the Beatles. Like, you know, posing dude for his album cover and going with, off with Yoko Ono and all their avant-garde stuff. You know, he did the, they did the movie Self-Portrait, which is uh, Yoko's movie Self-Portrait is just... All it is is John's uh, penis getting erect, and it just goes gets more and more erect, and it's fully erect. That's that's Yoko's movie with John, one of her movies called Shelf Portrait. So that's freaky for a mainstream, uh, you yeah. know, so-called. At the time, he was a, he was a mainstream superstar. He still is now, but I mean, he was a mainstream superstar, and then he does that. Here's our new video, Self Portrait. <laughs> so I just the fact that he was free, kind of freaky, glasses smart. Your guy. And uh, you know, not the cute one. So I, so I always liked him better than Paul. I like Paul a lot, of course. I'm a Beatles fanatic, but I just don't like George and Ringo. I can, you can take. I told uh, I told one of my buddies his son looked like Ringo, and he lost his mind. He's like, he's iconically one of the ugliest rock stars yeah, ever. That's, a, that's an <laughs> insult. Like, I will not yeah. take it as a compliment. No, that's an insult. <laughs> well, a lot of people don't know he's a left-handed, and you might know this, the weird drummer we got here. He's a left-handed drummer on a right-handed kit. That and might explain why he's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> he might want to take some lessons some longer along the way. That would have been helpful. He imagine, he, I always imagine like the Beatles with a good drummer. That yeah. would be really, I mean, a band like that with a good drummer. Because John, the first thing he did when he, when he played without Ringo, he played with Mitch Mitchell from the Jimi Hendrix Experience. I'm thinking, now that makes sense. And then he played, the next thing he played with Alan White from Yes. That made sense. Alan White and, and Mitch Mitchell. He, you know, those were his two choices right out of the gate after. Then he also played with Jim Gordon from uh, Eric, Derek and the Dominoes. He played with those three guys back to back to back, all better than Ringo. And, in fact, John Lennon has been quoted as saying, you know, is, was, is Ringo the best drummer in the world? He said he's not even the best drummer in the band. He said, <laughs> he said McCartney is. So that, that's a, really an insult wow. when, the, when, you're, when your leader of your band says, no, the, the bassist is the better drummer than you are. So, like, uh, like Paul McCartney has Ram with his wife, right? And then, yeah. like, uh, John's making, like, the album with Bowie, right? And they're slamming each other, right? That's true. And what are those? What is that connection? I'm, 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 I just know that it existed. Well, with Ram, they... Paul was putting little messages to John in about, you know, you, you took your lucky break and broke it in two, fuck you, that kind of thing. Yeah. And John knew it was, he, was, he was actually insulting him. So the next album, he, he posed with a pig the same way Paul posed with a, with a ram, with a sheep. He posed with a pig for the next album. And then he did the song, How Do You Sleep At you know, which is How Do You Sleep At Night. You're, you know, you're, you're a pretty face might last a day or two, a week or two, but that kind of thing. So, he's, so Paul was actually insulting John on record. And he was trying to be subtle about it, but John knew, and then Paul admitted, yeah, I was. John caught it, and so John insulted him back, and much more vehemently. But, you know, Paul shouldn't have done that. That was a stupid move. You know, right. if you got an obnoxious maniac guy like John Lennon who gets all upset about things, <laughs> and you're 
insulting yeah. him on your record, your new record, and he hears it. It's like, and he knew he was insulting. It's like, oh, you're insulting me, okay. And then he, he insulted him back a lot in the in the magazines and the papers and in the records. So, this is a crazy question, but it is <laughs> so far. If if he doesn't get killed, if Chapman doesn't read the Bible that day. Do you think they ever, I mean, I know it's crazy. I told you it was crazy. This is a crazy question, Jim. Do they ever get back together, do you think? Do you, do you think they thought about it? I know VH1 did that movie where what if Paul showed up at his house and they, they hung up, hung out. I don't know if you've ever seen that. But what do you do? You think there would have been hope if that didn't happen that day at the, 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 the Dakota? Yeah, because... Every major band, right? That's what I mean. Has reunited at least for like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, except that as far as I can tell, the Jam never did. I think Paul yeah. Paul Weller never did it. Right? He never said, "I'm getting together with those two other guys." Are they still the other two guys alive still? Ron, I believe they are. Yeah. And but he never since '82 never did a Jam. Re but everyone else has done at least like the Talking Heads even did the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Yeah. And then Burn didn't do a big time reunion, but he did it one time for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And the only band I can think of that's really big that didn't reunite ever is the Jam. So, yeah, the Beatles, of course, like all those other bands, have all, no matter how big they are, no matter how long they've been broken up, Velvet Underground, we haven't been together in 25 years. Yeah, we're doing a European tour. <laughs> Led Zeppelin, Guns Blondie. It just goes on and on. Yeah. And the only one the that, Eagles went hell. The Eagles, they said. froze over. I mean, they, they say they're not going to get back together. They get back together after 14 years off. They've been, and they've been touring now since from 94 till 2018, 24 years of, you know, 14 yeah. years off, 24 years back together. And then Glenn Fry dies. Yeah, it doesn't matter if Glenn Fry's dead. We're still going on tour. We'll put his kid in. Oh, we'll his I, kid mean, in. I mean, Walter Becker dies. We do the gig anyways with Steely Dan. We only have one guy left. It doesn't matter. I mean, so, the, yeah, there's a great hope, Jim. I'm glad it didn't. I'm glad that John got shot because <laughs> otherwise they would have reunited. It would have sucked. <laughs> it was so, such a letdown. You can't reunite. None of those reunions are good, for really good. You can't recreate magic. You can't go back. I mean, Lennon said before, he, right before he died, that you, the point about getting together is what? I, it was funny. I was walking up here, and McCartney and Lennon's kid, an hour before we, we meet up here. Oh, James McCartney and Sean Lennon. Yeah, are doing are taking selfies together. I met Sean in 16. Oh, really? And I did the, the classic Chapman thing. I went up behind his back and said, Sean, Sean! <laughs> <laughs> And, and all he said, all he said to me was, I said, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the show tonight. He said, Yes. And he said, I said, Yeah. I saw, I watched you on YouTube. And I'm really looking forward to the show tonight. He goes, Thank you. And then he said, Thank you. And then he said, Nice to meet you. It's like four little. It was like, Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to meet you. Get away from me. He was like, Nice to meet you. Like, yeah. Like he was not having a. There was no nice to meet you in it. And that was all I got out of him. And I'm a little wimp, you know. I just said, Okay, bye, Sean. I ran away, you know. So but, you you also have a book about Bob Dylan. Yeah, Bob Dylan. What the fuck happened? <laughs> so exactly what the fuck happened so, jesus Christ. give us a little, little well i examine his, on that. I examine his descent to madness and uh incoherency it's been getting worse and worse when i saw him in 2016 i was in the fifth row of the whole show until the end when i was in the first row and he did blow in the wind like this blowing <laughs> wind he didn't say in the he said blowing wind <laughs> And there was these two guys like out of a movie behind me that were in their 70s or 80s. We love Bob. We love Bob. They're discussing Bob through the whole show while he's playing. <laughs> and, we, and after that song, they actually did it like out of, out of a like Saturday Night Live skit. What was that song? It was Blowing the Wind. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. He says Blowing Wind. No. He didn't. And, the, the and two like guys the, in the balcony of the Muppets. Yeah, it's like the two guys <laughs> exactly. in the balcony of the Muppets. Yes. 
Hit Statler and whoever. What's the other one? Is it over? Yeah, and it was like that. The two Muppet guys in the back, and it was so bad. And he, he tried to dance, and he's doing Frank Sinatra cover songs. If anyone can't croon ever, it's Bob. But especially, he's he's 85 years old. No, he's actually in his 70s, but he's 70 something years old. I seen him at St. Bonaventure. He, he, the lights go off, and then all of a sudden, there's a spotlight, and there's this little piano, and he comes out and starts playing, and I'm like. What the fuck happened? Yeah, so, what the fuck yeah. happened? <laughs> so I examine how he just goes. I examine. I go through all the albums. I listen to every album that he put out officially, not the bootlegs. That would take too much. Every official album I listened or re-listened to, and it's 53 years worth of recordings. Every wow. day Paula came home, <laughs> she'd hear Bob's lovely voice blaring <laughs> out of the stereo. <laughs> For, and I and I just wrote up about how he just went got worse and worse and worse and worse. And his fans would buy anything. So of course. He keeps putting out 15, 15 record box sets because he, you know, Columbia Records does. Because Dylan fans will buy anything. All they bought the fifteen. We sold twenty thousand of the fifteen albums collection last year. Another fifteen album collection. Yeah, because we're charging two hundred dollars for them, and twenty thousand people bought them. That's that's good enough for us. Those twenty thousand fanatics. So it's really it was interesting. I don't like Bob that much, but it was. You're interesting. not a, you're not a fan. No, I'm not a fan. But it was interesting to go through. What's your favorite album? My favorite album is Highway 61 Revisited by What's Bob. What's your favorite live album? My favorite live album of all t- of all time. My favorite album is favorite album is Highway 61 Revisited by Bob. My favorite live album is Before the Flood. My second favorite song is by him. But I'm not a fan. He <laughs> <laughs> no. used to be great and good, but no. What, I I worked at Shays and I don't. Think, I think I signed something. I'm not allowed to talk about a lot of it. But uh, he had this little Joe Pesci like bodyguard, and wow. like no matter where I stood, he's like can't stand there. Wow. <laughs> You're like okay, can't stand there. I mean, it's tight security. I mean, yeah. it was, well, like, doesn't want to get shot. You never yeah, know. Yeah, but talk about that. My like, brother does, wanted to shoot he... him. My brother's name is Mark. <laughs> also, Mark James Sterlace, and he. My brother's a psycho. He's totally insane. I'll take this out. Like, <laughs> no, he wants to shoot really him. There's really a diagnosis. Yeah. Yeah. The, no, he's really psychotic. He, he's really you can psychotic. Keep this in, and it's good. It's good for your show. My my brother's it's totally insane. His name's Mark James Sterlitz, and after he saw Dylan and Eddie at, at Kleinans, he's he's then Lennon got shot. Mark came into the room and he said. I like to kill Dylan. That would be great. What if I shoot Dylan? Just like Mark <laughs> David Chapman shot Lennon. And I said, wow, that would be great because it would be Mark J. Sterling to read books about you. And he like, then he thought it over while he was like, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to shoot him. I'm like, no, you should go for it. Then be, I can write the book and there'll be like, there'll be biographies and documentaries about you. Like, no, I know. Maybe it's, I'll do it. But I don't, no, I don't think so. It's the way you get people to do things for you're, free. You're, you're yeah. Getting, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't get them to do it for free. You think after, my brother's the one person who denied me doing something for free. I said, kill Dylan. For, I'm, not, I'm not charging you. I'm not paying you. I'm, you know, I'm not paying you. Yeah. Just, just, he didn't do it, though, unfortunately. And he, and he, but he, my brother was so insane, he said, the next three albums came out, and each album, Mark said, yeah, Bob wrote a song about me on his album because he saw me at Kleinans, <laughs> <laughs> and he started writing songs about me. I go, I don't think that's true, Mark. Yeah, he wrote a song about it, and I think I thought it through. Mom didn't have sex with Dad. He, she had sex with Bob. <laughs> Bob's my, my real father. When he was on tour in the 60s, I know Mom went to see him, and they had an affair. <laughs> I go, you might be a little psycho, Mark. No, no. <laughs> He's, He's my, my real father. <laughs> what, what's in the, the arsenal now? What are you listening to now? Like, What kind of music am I listening yeah, to? What, yeah, what, anything new, old? What are you listening to now? What am I listening to now, Paula? I'm going to do a book next where it's going to have 365 different artists in it. 
going to be albums 365. It's going to have 365 different albums by 365 different artists. Wow. So I'm going to be exploring all these people I don't know. And uh, I don't know. I, we, we, I like a lot of, we like a lot of bands from the, the, the last 20 years, but we like Slater Kenny. We like Keen. We like uh, um, a lot. Uh, New pornographers. The new pornographers. We oh, love. I like we them saw them live. Those are they're great. We like. I think Ron likes them too. The the uh, or I like them. Uh, what's it called? The uh, Decemberists. They're yeah. good. Yeah, I'm, He's I'm, a good I'm singer. A I like the Decemberists. I like ten. I uh, like. Um, uh, what's that other one with the with the women the female? Oh yeah, Tegan and Sarah. I Tegan love. Tegan and Sarah. Yeah. Okay. So th- those are five of the ones we we meet. either I or both of us like a lot. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Founders of Wayne we like. Oh, yeah. This They're is from the great. last 25 years or right. so. Right. Yeah. Those six bands stand out to me as the ones I like the most, I think. Uh, there's some other ones I'm not remembering right now. Oh, Te- the, uh, that teen. What is that? Oh, Imperial Teen. Imperial Teen. We like oh, Imperial Teen a lot. Imperial Teen. Yeah, that's a, those seven are. They're not teenagers those, anymore. Those <laughs> those seven are at the top of our, our list, both of us, for the last I love years. running into people that. Slater Kenny, did I mention that? Slater love. Kenny different kind of bands that you don't hear. I mean, everyone's like, oh, I love the, the you know, the Beatles. Uh, Fuck that. You know, <laughs> you you are what, you're very interesting because you find yes, these I bands. Am. Yeah, <laughs> you find these bands, you found local like artists. Like Tiny Desks. Like yeah, the, the original Tiny Desks. The original Tiny Desks. Desk. That's and right. They stole <laughs> your idea. Those are bands that go nowhere from Buffalo. <laughs> Have you had anybody on that that, that actually, that Skyrocketed to fame or anybody? Other than Ski Mask. I don't think so. All those bands just weren't just there was Buffalo bands. Not that we know of. They didn't skyrocket. They didn't come back and tell us. Right. I mean, I think, I met Ida DeFranco though when she was a teenager and I said, hi, how's it going? And then she skyrocketed. So I think that was, (laughs) that was kind of like, like I I helped Scotty Bowman win more championships. Jonathan Richmond getting there, something about Mary. So I did say something like, you were pretty good tonight. She said, thanks. I'm not kidding. I, may, I really talked to Adam DeFranco and said, you were pretty good tonight. She said, oh, yeah, thank you. I was and then da- she skyrocketed after that, like five years later. <laughs> she went I was, right to the top. I was just at Babeville the other night, and I was checking out a band. A good local band you might want to check out is The Riffs, a really cool band, um, right up your alley. And I was telling the manager, hey, uh, I have a podcast. Uh, anyway, I could you know, talk to Annie DeFranco. And I got the email. We She gave, she gave me Annie's. So... That's another one that has really helped local artists. So you're going to get still, to interview Ani? Well, we're going to try. We'll, we'll give her a license to talk, see if she takes it. Have you interviewed John Lombardo yet? He's very No, that, that, from the 10,000 Maniacs. We're not, not at five yet. I just, I just I told him that earlier. Yeah, he's that's available. List. He's sitting at a bar right now. He's sitting at Larkin Square right now having a beer. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely Or a glass of wine. He loves talking about Natalie Merchant and all the ties together with her. You're going to tell him about how you wrote your first book? Oh yeah, <laughs> the, the 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 reason I'm writing books because of John Lombardo. That's a good that's a good story. I was sitting with him one night five years ago, and he was drunk out of his mind. He said, "Greg, existence is life is oh, existence has fucked me over." He said, "Existence has fucked me over." I'm like, "Hey, I said, really?" I said, "Well, we wrote a book about that about your life life story." And he said, "Yeah, and we'll call it Nobody Likes a Wanker," you know, which is which is him, and he's a wanker. And I'm like, "Okay, you know, that's kind of." Okay. For a year, Paul and I talked about interviewing him. We did, we had discussions. I went to his house. He showed me all the photos of his famous life, photos of him with RuPaul, photos of him with Bill and Hillary, stuff like that, photos of him around the world. And we were trying to get the photos together. That was the first step. Then he said to me after a year, he said, Greg, I just can't trust you. I've only known you 25 years, and I just can't trust you. 
So he, we, we dropped the book project because he, he didn't want to do it. He didn't want to really start it and get going on it. And then I said, well, I got this book writing idea. I should write a book. So then I thought, what can I, I just laid, in, laid on the floor one night and said, who can I write a book about? And of course I thought the Beatles because I've, I've been reading Beatle books since I was a kid. So then I thought like Kramer, coffee table book about coffee tables, yeah. Beatle book about Beatle books. And then Ron bought me one for my birthday, put that in the book, and you know, it was just like, it seemed like an obvious idea to do the Beatles. I wanted a different kind of thing than usual, so that's why I did a Beatle book about Beatle books. The second one's the album guy, which is normal. I, did all, I wrote about all their albums but, and the solo albums, but the Beatle book about Beatle books, and it came from Lombardo, and it was great because I showed him the first book, and he's like, oh, like, because, you know, he didn't do a book with me. And then the second book, he said, I've got to sit down. I showed him the second book, he's like, I've got to, because he was like, why didn't I do a book? And then he'll bring up to me once in a while, like, John, we should, now that you've done four books, Greg, we should do our book together. I'm like, yeah, I'll get right on that, John. You just, you told me you didn't, you know, you didn't trust me after 25 years. So that, that was, you know, it's funny that John Lombardo is the reason I write books. He's the, he was That's the impetus. Great. I know, he was the impetus. I just thought about John Lombardo biography. I would still like to write a John Lombardo biography without him. That would be been an autobiography with him, of course. I like to write a biography just telling all the real dirt about him. I think people locally would really find it interesting. You can ask yeah. him about that when you... He'll ask probably him about find this interesting. Well, he probably won't hear this. If he does, John, I'm, yes, I, I, I stand by everything I said because it's all the truth. So, so yeah, right. you should have him on. He's, he's interesting. Oh, I would love to have him uh, on. You like 10,000 Maniacs? Yeah. You like that folk music? You know, I, I like anything but country, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, he's not country. He's, he's a little yeah. bit of rock and roll, but yeah. he's not country. Yeah. But, yeah. Have we, him on. He's, he's totally available. He's got a lot of days to fill. <laughs> and, he, and, he, and he's still, in, he's back in 10,000 Maniacs, so he's actually in a famous band still. Yeah. They, yeah. they tour around the country, and he plays guitar with them, and he's still, and he did follow the band, and he did name the band. Wow. And he did find Natalie Merchant, and then, of course, you know, he, he, he left the group in the 80s before they came big, but before they came giant. They were big. I mean, he was on, we watched, he was on MTV, being interviewed on MTV in 86 when he was still in the band. So they, they were pretty big when he was in them because in, originally because he was on MTV being interviewed. That's pretty big. Right. You can't be a yeah. nobody band and have MTV interviewing you. They might, sh might show your video, but they're not going to be interviewing you. And then he left the band, and then, uh, you know, they became even bigger. But uh, he's, a, he's an interesting guy. So I'm he's an he was, he was, guy. yeah, he's on MTV. I'm, I'm more interested than John is, but John <laughs> is, <laughs> is, is much more famous than I am, being in the Ten Thousand Maniacs. And you can get him easily. He's in Buffalo. Just well, you can have, come over. To we need connections like Greg Sterlace. Well, I'll know. give you his. I'll give you his phone number. Ron here. Ron here was saying that you that <laughs> well, you his phone number right now. Just no, yeah. I have it on the other phone. I'll, Ron I'll said you may have may not have been mentioned in Rolling Stone through any facet. T tell well, us. You guys got the story here. Spin. Oh, spin. Spin insulted me. <laughs> in their, in their, because uh, I, you know, I've always had a weight problem on and on and off. I've had a weight problem my whole life, you know. But uh, we went. He was playing in Buffalo, Keanu Reeves with his band, and we, so we were trying to get an interview with him. We, were, we closest we got is we saw him standing near us. You know, we didn't get even get to him. We just saw him standing there, and and all these other people were trying to talk to Keanu, of course, because he's a movie star. And they had an article in Spin where the, the guy was following him around tour. It was called Stalking Keanu. Like, all the fans were stalking him. The guy writing the article was stalking him. And I interviewed the guy from Spin. And I didn't know he was from Spin. I was being my usual asshole, obnoxious self. And he called me. I got interviewed by the cable access guy in Buffalo, the bubbly ham hock. He called me a bubbly <laughs> ham hock. So that, what an insult that was. So I was the bubbly ham hock in Spin magazine. I never really thought about that. I tell you, I blacked it out the last 20 years because... I don't like to think of myself, even though I am the bubbly hammock, I don't like to think of myself as a bubbly hammock, you know? 
a, a tag a description we have of the show is this is the podcast for regular Western New Yorkers who oh, uh, God, really? who who uh, what is it again? It's something uh, along where you can laugh and learn something and maybe learn something and maybe learn something. If there's Your some show advice, is for regular people, yeah. yeah. Then what are you having me out for? <laughs> <laughs> so like. Uh, you said you're writing books now. Like, what, oh, what yeah, would that's be normal. what would be something that you would tell to somebody who's writing their own book? You know, that would give them you know a little push forward. Like, because for me, like we played a lot of music around the neighborhood, and nobody taught us to turn it into a business. You know, like we didn't have that person that like came around and was like, "This is how you make money doing this." Like, it just all fizzles away. Like, you can make like, money playing music. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I know, nobody. Well, I mean, nobody taught us. You know, like, Marco, we don't know how to make money from the books. I mean, but not, not saying make money. I'm saying push to like, it. it to, you have a book. You have a oh, TV well, show. Oh like, we we did sell uh, hundreds of books of the Beatle books because mostly because of the Beatle Fest we went to three times the National Beatle Fest. That was most of the sales. Some and then out of those hundreds of sales was to friends family and some beetle people in buffalo of course you, you can just there's been beetle people in buffalo i don't know who they are i mean even people come up to me they just buy the book because they're beetle fanatics there's beetle maniacs in buffalo like anywhere else so that's that's why one of the reasons i wanted to write about the beetles i knew it would sell much more than a john lombardo autobiography a beetle <laughs> book right and yeah. that's how we sold we did sell a bunch of the hundreds of the beetle books if that counts for anything wasn't really much so I, much i'm about not even saying about success well, for, I'm just for saying doing like, it you got to have discipline i didn't know i had any discipline but then i realized I have discipline to write. You have to just, I think it's amazing. It's so obvious, but everyone who says it's its tough writing a book or it's hard writing a book or should I write a book or should, maybe I should write a book or should I start a book, it's all about what you, you have to actually sit down and it's, if you write a book and you really put effort into it, like I do, and most people who actually do write a book, of course, are putting effort into it, obviously. They're not just slacking off. They're not just typing random letters. It It's all about discipline. You have to keep doing it. I didn't know I had discipline, but I've been very disciplined. So anyone who wants to write a book, you can do it as long as you have the discipline to sit there at a computer or a typewriter if you're old-fashioned and just type, type, type. And, you know, you try to hone it, of course. I try to I hone, but it's that's what the thing is. That's why people, I think, are impressed sometimes when you say, you, or you show them the book you wrote. I'm impressed. People yeah. are impressed sometimes <laughs> because they think, wow, that takes a lot of effort to write a 500, 400-page book, you know, and it does. It's all about discipline. It's just that one thing. You don't even have to be good at writing, but you have to have discipline to write a full book if you're trying really hard. I mean, but you're really putting one, effort in. The one thing I think that confuses a lot of young writers is there's all this talk if you take writing classes and finding your voice. Oh, yeah. You have right. to find your you hear voice. You that a lot, finding your voice. But you know what your voice is? It's that voice in the back of your head that talks to you all the time. It's telling you, oh, I should do this today, or oh, I should. It's that same voice. So if you can, if you can harvest that that voice that talks to you in your head, I think it's in my head. Uh, you can you can write. You just use that voice. You don't try to make something up or become somebody else. It's it's it becomes insincere. So if you can if you can harvest that voice, you're you got a book. And be disciplined. Well, yeah. And, and how I, is it I haven't like, mastered like, that part. I can't have somebody read a pa piece of paper that I write on. Like, how is that? To have somebody read your book, like what is that feeling to you? You know what I mean. Uh, like having somebody read what you write, like what does that feel? It feels good because you know we got we got a lot of rave reviews from we got a few rave reviews from people, and like the Buffalo Spree, our friend Ron Emke said it was fantastic. He said that was the best one. He said you know you you can just plop down in any page and you'll be hooked for hours. Wow. So that was really the That's ultimate a big compliment. Yeah, I'm a great writer, Jim. 
<laughs> I, I suggest you read my books. They're very I good. I can't wait to read the yeah. books. You know, and you yeah. know what the, the, the weird thing is, is that we all are blank slates. When we're born, we're blank slates. There's nothing in there. So every time you read something or you listen to something or you hear something, it becomes part of the way you think. So imagine the power of actually sitting down and writing something, have somebody read it, and then it becomes part of the way they think. That's crazy. All right. It's very powerful. Mm -hmm. So anything in the same with what you're doing, anybody that hears this, this is going to become part of the way they think because it's mixed in with the rest of the junk in their gray matter. So oh yeah, like we say all the time that we're almost archiving for kids, uh, family members. We're we're trying to. We know that there's stories that need to be told in Western New York, and I mean, and we're we're glad that you guys came in because thank you. This is great. They're there needs some of these stories need to be told. Uh, Greg Sterlace, somebody of uh, 22 years old that's listening to us right now, they need to find out about Greg Sterlace. They need yeah, to find not, out. Not about really. It. Well, I mean, <laughs> somebody who has 1,100 TV uh, television shows. Well, they're you know, they're amateur television shows. But that's still it. It's there. It's, it's out there. there. It's produced by you from from nothing. It's you always awesome. hear guys. Oh, we should make a TV show. We should make a movie. You should oh, write a you could write a book about that. We should make an you album. You did it. Well, that's true. That's people do often say things that I that about doing stuff and they don't do it I don't understand I'm glad you guys are doing a, a podcast because a lot of times people say I want to do a podcast and then I should do a podcast well, I'll talk to people in Western and then they don't do it well we started a, it six years ago six years. this is six years so we finally yeah. got it going life hits you it, what is your fourth your episode in six years no just no no <laughs> we wanted to do it four. six years ago oh, we want yeah this just what happened long. what happened in those six years you did you were uh, children you know like, marriage, yeah, marriage children yeah. uh just we, things you know how it goes i mean no i don't <laughs> we found our time now we, we finally found our niche yeah and, and like finding people and i mean it, it, it was so it, it's easy in this neighborhood to find interesting people because there's so many but like in our top five, we're like the, I think we're doing an, a great job getting you come here, Ray, it's a good get. Joe, uh, Jim's dad. Like, and it's an all, all different type of thing. We had government, uh, we had political, we had sports, and now we have our entertainment guy. You know, it's great. Yeah, you got to get John Lombardo next for famous musician. I'd love to talk to he John can, Lombardo. He can come out here. I'll give you his phone number. <laughs> I mean, we, we're finding I'll text out. Text it to you, Jim. Th- th- thank you, Greg. I'll set it up. They're, they're, oh, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, Ron's ter- good talent up. coordinator. You set it up. You got his number? <laughs> you got his number, right? Yeah, but, I got his number. All right. It, it, it's just amazing. The, the Who paved the way for you? How, how did this all start, Greg? Who were, who were your inspiration Early on, and you know, back was it back at City Honors? Was it back when you were? Well, I you did. Know? I started. I I liked the idea when I was a kid of singing and writing lyrics. So when I was eight years old, I had a band called the Jets, and I would write my own lyrics and sing. And I thought I'm going to do this, and I started doing that when I was eight. And then the talk show thing. I used to love David Letterman. That's why I was so glad that Jonathan Richmond said I was better than David Letterman. What he meant was I was less obnoxious to him. Than, than Letterman was. So that's what he really meant. But it still sounded good. You're better than Letterman. Uh, you're less obnoxious. Uh, but that, I watched Letterman all uh, weekly, daily, for decades. And then when, the, when Doobie Dave said you should do a talk show, I'm like, oh, yeah, like Letterman does, my idol. So really, Letterman, when I was a kid, I don't know. I just got into the Beatles when I was eight years old. And I thought, well, I should be a singer and a lyricist. I never thought about playing guitar. For, I guess I was too lazy or whatever. But uh, I just I started singing when I was eight so-called singing and then i just continued till now 
45 years later with uh, Ron Lyston. Also known as Bad Ronald. Bad Ronald. Also known as Ronnie freaking Lyston in oh, these parts. Ronnie freaking Lyston. So, well, gave the kid a chance, and now he's much better in drums. N- he's really new improved. sheriff in town, as they say. He's learned a lot. So now, uh, now the band is good because the drumming is great. <laughs> a lot of practice. <laughs> Lots now of he, practice. Can you, can you believe he plays Irish music now? Would yeah, you have he's ever very thought versatile. from the Continental to no. now he's doing the jig? He's really special, and it's <laughs> and luckily, I, like I said, I. The band's name is Bad Ronald, so he's still doing awesome. If we were named the Metronomes, he would have said, well, now doing all this other stuff, Greg, I'm out of the, bad Ron- out of the Metronomes. But since it's Bad Ronald, he still shows up for the gigs. It's great. Well, look it's for the, key, the... It's the key to winning people over is u- utilizing their name. Well, when we do a Ron Frickens interview, can you come and sit in and uh, be his color guy? You're going to interview Ron? Oh, God, we got to do Ron. Come on. I don't like, he's more I don't of a like, cameo person. I don't know. He's a cameo guy. I think I think he's got I think he's got enough to talk about. Who else are you gonna have on besides John Lombardo and Bad Ryan? Well <laughs> you know we, who else we, do you want to have on in Buffalo? Oh, man, that's we, a good question. We got a wish list. I don't want to jinx anything. Oh, you're yeah. not gonna tell me. Okay. I definitely yeah. want Lombardo and I, I I've had people come up to me, hey Jimbo, you wanna talk to Tony Massiel? I really don't want to talk to Tony Massiel. I mean, I think, why not? Yeah, Maybe. We interviewed him in his office. He told us he wasn't smart enough to be a lawyer. That's why he became the mayor. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. We were, in a, we were sitting in the mayor's office. I'm going to be the next mayor then. <laughs> we were sitting in the mayor's office to interview Massiel, and this guy came towards us, and we thought, I was going to kick was a guard. He was a guard. And we thought the guards were going to say, what are you doing here? And he said, oh, I, like, I watched the Greg Stroller show. <laughs> we're like, oh, okay. I guess you're you're not kicking us out then. We thought for wow. sure we were getting kicked out. <coughs> and you can you can out of all the mayors I talked to, though, I think Jimmy's better than Tony. Better than what's who's our na- mayor now? I talked to him too. Byron? Oh, Byron. Byron Brown. Oh yeah, Byron Brown. It was Brian? Byron Brown second, second most interesting. Jimmy's first, and he's interesting. Really, B- Byron? Well, compared to Anthony Masiello. Like, <laughs> <Yeah. you know. laughs> Come on, the guy's not smart enough to be a lawyer, let alone yeah. mayor. I don't know who we would like, get. I mean, I was, I was nervous to, to do this one just because, you know, we were, we're looking today. at we we're what? looking at the resume you, and we we're like, man, icon, Greg. I was Greg, thinking there's I said to Paul in the car, this is silly of me to ego out on this. These guys asked me to do an interview. And she said, oh, no, but you like doing interviews. And then all the compliments. Now I'm really glad I did it. But <laughs> even more so than I just like being interviewed. But I plus compliments. Uh. I mean, yeah, but you, there's no. I don't. That's funny. You being nervous because you knew that I was in a band with Ron for 20 years, right? So yeah, yeah. Then you think that uh, I must be a regular kind of guy if I'm friends with Bad Ronald. For but you're the king of the Bad Ronalds, you know. You're the head of the Bad Ronald guys, you know. I'm sure that uh, you I know would, he appreciates the stuff know, you've would, done and I included him. You're right about you know? my drumming. Got you know better. Uh, over yeah, the you, years you've than, been. Uh, you're great. You know, I mean, honestly, I've been <laughs> really good. I would never thought I'd yeah. be in any kind of movie. You know. So, so really, cool. what I did is I matured the kid. I got him. The, <laughs> <laughs> I let him drum for me. Now he's good. Okay. Very good. Now he's now great. He's, I let him act for me. Yeah. Now everyone's saying, "Oh, he's a great actor." <laughs> right? It's like he owes both of his entertainment careers to me actor and drummer i do because right. i i'm the one that's probably why he you know said hey i can get you get him on a show because you know that'd be a story for another time how bad ronald even began. yeah we'll we'll do this again for sure well uh we're, we're gonna dig deeper into like what we have you know we're just trying to build our audience now and it seems like you guys have a pretty big audience as God, well i wish we did all you do, you do. I mean, it, more than you wouldn't you believe uh, the people we talk to, and they're like, "You guys are going to have such a good time. This is going to be great. He's really funny. 
He's got all these it's things all to say. It's downhill from here on in, so, Mark, because <laughs> it's good. you had me on and Paula and Ron, and then you're going to have these other guests like John Lombardo. It's going to be like, you know, it's going to be down tanking. It's going to be like, you're going to be thinking, I wish Greg and Ron and Paula were here. Yeah. Like, you know, Paula, you didn't ask about Paula, but Paula's been in the media for the last nine months, you know, all, all over the international media. So she's much more famous than I am. Tell why, is international media? why is that, Paula? Nine last nine months, because, all of the international because media. Because Harvey Weinstein uh, appeared naked before me when I was what? working as an intern. She worked on his first movie. <laughs> oh, really? The, the Burning. The Burning. Yeah. With Holly Hunter and Jason Alexander. Well, they were nobody Whoa. then. They were nobody then, but they, well, now they're. I was a I was an intern intern for UB, and um, I I contacted. I was a communication major, and I contacted. Uh, Harvey and Corky because I wanted to be an intern that summer for them right and he was putting me off and putting me off and and finally he when I pinned him down I said you know not look I got literally. it not literally no I need I need an internship for this summer am I going to do this or not he said well how about working on this movie we're making and I thought oh my god I just died and went to heaven so I got to work on this movie that they were filming and um, I was working with the accountant mostly doing some work uh as a production assistant in buffalo was movie in buffalo yeah it was filmed in different parts of buffalo we were working out of tanawanda north tanawanda i think it was a long time ago (laughs) (laughs) so um i had to bring a a folder full of checks and to have him sign them and scott the guy who i was working with the accountant he called harvey and said paul is coming over to your room um to get the check signed we need him right away so when I opened the door, well, I knocked, he opened the door, he was behind the door, and he had a towel around his waist. When he closed the door, I saw that, and I'm like, holy shit, what do I do now? And then I'm thinking, oh, you know what, you're such a small town girl. People walk around naked all the time in Hollywood. You yeah, know? oh Cause, man. Because I was young. And um, so anyway, he dropped the towel, and he started asking me for a massage, and the whole thing. So this this scumbag, he's been doing this. This is uh, what year is this? This was nineteen eighty. And and the thing is, uh, a friend of mine who worked for a um, answering service, uh, she worked for Harvey and Corky before they had their own office. I guess they had an answering service, and something something similar happened to her in nineteen seventy three. Wow. Jeez. So yeah, so Paula got on the front page of the Buffalo News with this story. Yeah, I didn't know that and, was going to happen. And and we went for a walk in the woods, and we and she didn't bring her phone with her, and we came home we're like, okay, that was beautiful. You're on the front page of the Buffalo News. It was the first week of the Harvey Weinstein scandal, and the same day she came out, Gwyneth Paltrow came out, and Angelina Jolie came out. Right, she was the wow. first normal person. It wasn't a, a movie a celebrity, star. Yeah. Right, it was four celebrities, and then Paula. Front page of Buffalo News, we thought nothing of it. We're in the woods, we're getting rain down. We didn't have, our, didn't have your phone with you. We came home, we're just, I'm gonna, we're just gonna relax tonight. CNN calls, and then channel, uh, CBS and ABC called nationally. And we, yeah. they interviewed wow. her that night like for people, Good Morning America and, yeah. and CBS This Morning with Charlie, with Charlie Rose nonetheless. Oh, and the yeah, next wow. day, Charlie Rose goes, oh, Paula's story is very interesting about scumbags uh, like Harvey Weinstein. And he was fired three weeks later oh. for the exact same. Well, the thing Type is, every once in a while, like, the phone would ring, and I it would be a number I didn't recognize. I'd pick it up, and they'd say, this is CNN. And I'd say, get out of here. You think you it's know? Bad Ronald. This is CBS. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's like, and so every, people were so calling me. So the next me. day, she was on George Stephanopoulos was, and Charlie I Rose. Was on, it was in the Hollywood Reporter. She was in the Hollywood Reporter. The in, Hollywood Reporter Oscar issue this year, special Oscar issue, had a whole section on Harvey, of course. And 
and the the first word in the in the article is Paula, and the last paragraph she says you disgust me Harvey that's her story and it, it ends the story and they have a picture of, of Paula I should have brought it with us today but you know this is well, a radio of course podcast so yeah <laughs> but she she has uh, a there's know. a there's a there's a picture of Paula a big color photo of Paula they took this year and a little photo of Frank Sinatra and Harvey in black and white next yeah. you want a big big photo of her and a small one of Frank and Harvey and next to Frank and Harvey is Paula saying it wasn't Harvey's first rodeo. <laughs> He'd been around. Okay, so this is the this is the problem with something like this. All of a sudden, everybody wants to talk to me. Nobody wants it. You know, I mean, I've been doing creative stuff my whole life. Right. And and now all of and I kept telling the reporters, you know, this isn't what I want to be known for. I didn't even actually see his parts because I didn't look away from his face because I was scared. Right. So I like. All of a sudden, I'm famous because some famous guy was naked in front of me. I said, oh, "That's not why. How I want to be famous." And sure. so she's so famous that she's already on a PBS documentary on DVD that where I work at the Kenmore Library, we already have that on the, on, on oh, our really? shelves. And she's in that, and that was made for the with the BBC too. She's been on internet. She was on BBC. She's been on English television twice. I know, but it's all for the wrong reason. It's all for this yeah, guy being a horrible human being. I, well, I wish they would they would bring you on and talk about the you know the movie as well, Catcher in the Rye and Diamonds, which you can find on. Where can we find it? You Greg? cannot find it, Jim. <laughs> Jesus, I thought maybe you were kidding. Well, I mean, I I, I brought a. Uh, DVD if you can just if you want to watch it. Oh yeah, well, we'd love to. If you want to change your life, but I mean, I want, see I want a screening. Act. Can we have a license to talk screening? Can we get some of our listeners to get a screening of this this movie? It's possible. I don't know. Where that's it's what Paula needs because to be known that's for. What we need, you know, her art and not. Oh God, what, what, I really what, hope he gets what he deserves, what Paula. About, what about uh, the? What about the segue uh, with I'm David Letterman? I'm just glad there was there was no flower pot in the room because oh that yeah, that's true. Worst. Yeah, Paula Paul was also on David Letterman the show. Oh, really? By accident. By accident, but she was on it though. Why? Yeah. Well, I was at a <laughs> I was at somebody's high school reunion, and I was I, I'm thinking to myself, I don't know any of these people. I can do whatever I want. So I'm dancing like a wild maniac because you know you're at somebody else. It was in New York. It was in on Long Island. Uh-huh. I can I can do whatever I want. I can act like a big asshole, and I did. And then of course somebody was there from the Letterman show, uh, taking. F- footage and I looked at the guy and I thought either he's a really nice guy who's videotaping this for his wife or he's a big loser who hasn't had fun since high school and he's videotaping his <laughs> right. reunion instead of enjoying it and it was a guy from the Bud Letterman man. show who wasn't what was his name Bud Mel what was it his? wasn't Larry Bud Mel it was like just a cameraman no oh. and and it was, it was one a of high those, school reunion quiz it was one of those things where yeah they had the quiz so okay. yeah so I was on so the, I was watching Letterman <laughs> And I, he mentioned this is the high school reunion quiz. We do this once in a while. I'm like, oh, that's so boring. I turn over to watch Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. I'm like, yeah, I've seen this a million times. What's the Letterman doing? I turn back to Channel 4, and Paul is dancing on the screen. I thought, <laughs> I must have turned back to cable access accidentally. And now Letterman came on and said, throw a blanket over this woman. <laughs> <laughs> and he showed her dancing, and, and he just kept going back to it. And then at the bumper, when they went to shape, Paul Shaver just playing the music with the, the world's most dangerous band. They they showed us there's a square with Paula dancing with her boyfriend, <laughs> and then it says late late show with David Letterman. It was great. Wow. And awesome. I I was screaming and then I and I and I was with I living with Paul Galvin from the Painkillers and I said yeah Paul was just on Letterman. He's like oh my god, and I didn't call her because I didn't want to wake her up. She went to bed early and she, uh, next day she said if I'm on David Letterman. You can call me up and wake me up and tell me I'm on David Letterman. 
Well, we, that's important enough to call me. So, of course, they aired in England, et cetera. So she was all over the you know, place with her. And then we, when she talked, you talked to the producer. What happened? You said talked, they said, I oh, they said Dave was watching it all day long. Yeah, I right? tried to get. Saying, I, yeah. I figured I would parlay this into something for the Greg Sterley show. Sure. Because I figured, okay, I was on the show. He, he was playing the footage. And I'm going to give them a call, and they're going to think I'm, I want to press charges or something. And I'm, instead, I'm going to say I want to come on and give David Letterman dance lessons. And he wouldn't do it, of course. Because I wanted to get, I wanted Greg and me to go on the show and get some publicity for the Greg Sterling sure. show. And and it was sweeps week, so they couldn't do it. But he he said that David Letterman hit, was sitting in the room watching the footage over and over again, and, and like screaming, laughing. That's <laughs> so, great. Because she was such a maniac for dancing. And of course, Paul also did custom carpet center commercials. <laughs> and and what your mother says? Your mother said you were lying when you're, you're lying. She's acting at a custom carpet center commercial. And she's saying you're lying. You're saying things that aren't true. I'm acting, mom. <laughs> they used to show it before Ed Kilgore be every night for 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 months. It was like I I always turn on the Ed Kilgore on Channel Two every night near eleven thirty, and all of a sudden I see Paula. Hello, custom carpets. What, was, what did you say in that show? You, oh, I was you were just well, you pointing. You were pointing to pictures like Harvey was. You yeah, were pointing I was pointing to, to pictures <laughs> of my carpet, and it, it made it sound like I was pointing at chil my children. Like, oh, look at this one. This one's so cute. Okay, and I then, think I remember that. And then it yeah. was it was my carpet, and my mother was like, "You're lying. You don't all, yeah, you're and lying." And not to not to, Paula has met at least for a brief moment, O.J. Simpson, <laughs> Bill Cosby, Whoa. two African American. Legends. They they're a little bit nasty. Harvey Weinstein and Woody Allen. Two wow. two wow. Caucasian. A little bit of a you know. All four of these sexual is, harassers, assaulters, alleged rapists. She's met all four. And what was that like? I think You've inspired them. You inspired them. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, one guy was acquitted of murder. Oh yeah, double right. murder. He, he was, was acquitted. He though. was the uh, he was. Bill Cosby was convicted of yeah. uh, of drugging women. Woody's still. Scott Free, even though he's got a lot of allegations against him, and Harvey is going to be on trial for rape, or he's going to try to get out oh, of it somehow. It's not going to be good for Harvey. I no, but Paul met all four of those. I yeah, thought it was yeah. funny. I realized one day you've met Harvey, and you've met Woody, <laughs> and you've met Phil, and you, and you met OJ. So all four of those, none of them were. They're all nice to you. Those few moments with them, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Bill, you only met Bill for a second. OJ Just Simpson. for a drink. Oh, yeah. Bill for a second. OJ, yeah. OJ Simpson was, uh, was, the, was the spokesperson for Dingo Boots. This was back in the 80s. Wow. And so I was working for a shoe company. So he was at a shoe show and I got to talk to him. And he so. didn't cut your head off or put, no. hold, put, <laughs> pull a nice. gun out? Or. He was very nice to me at the time. And Woody, you went to see him play his music. And, and, and then I you try to, to get him. you try to get laid with him later. No, I didn't try to get laid <laughs> with them. I didn't want to. I just wanted to talk to him. He was my hero. And Woody didn't him. pull any crazy stuff on you. Or no, he's probably too he, old. Did he say you're too old? Yeah, exactly. Did he say you're too old? No, you're the, you're, you're in your twenties, aren't you, at, honey? Too old for me. At the time, oh, that's right. Your twenties. Right. If I was like, in my twenties, oh, that was too sorry, old. Sorry, if you were a little you bit younger, a little bit younger. So I mean, you know, Bill Cosby just thought of a window or something, right, like on the street. But you talked. You said you waved at him and we talked. You waved at him and he said, "Would you like some?" this <laughs> but still it's kind of funny that she met all four of those guys briefly that four of the greats of our time well, know, yeah who are all still alive and all still all still in the news lately all of them are still in the news lately yeah. 
You know, OJ, I thought it was funny that he, he got out Did of prison and for Halloween he dressed in an OJ Simpson costume when he was giving a OJ Simpson Bills jersey when he's handing out trick and treat candy to the kids. He couldn't think of anything scarier than being, <laughs> being OJ Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, kids. I'm dressing as OJ Simpson. It says 32 Simpson on the back. Would you, would you like a candy apple? Would you like some candy apple? I mean, that's so. Oh, man. Well, what a good time we've had. We're going to wrap it up here with License to Talk. First, we got to. Licensed to talk. Licensed Lice- to, <laughs> to talk. Yeah, yeah. change yeah. the name of the show. We'll have to have licensed to talk. They'll have to As take it over like Ski Mask did it yeah. with the Greg yeah, Sterling show one day. Yeah. So thanks to Dog Ears, thanks to Paula, thanks to Greg Sterling, a Buffalo icon, uh, hustling and grinding eight days a week. Mark, license this guy to talk, Jim. And Greg, you are now licensed to talk. All right. So they- you come on my show now. <laughs> All right. I'd love to. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, guys. Okay, you're welcome. Bye. This has been License to Talk. Follow us on Twitter at JCIsL2T and Instagram, License to Talk.